Well, we welcome you. My name is Zach. For those of you that don't know me, if you're in town visiting for the holidays, we're really honored that you're here. Well, actually, that everyone would take time in a busy holiday weekend to make space to meet with God, to meet with the people of Jesus, and really learn and grow together. I'm the lead pastor here. Get the chance today to interview my friend Robert, which we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, but I want to kind of give you a little context for what we're doing today. When I was a kid, uh, we would always go and visit family at Thanksgiving. My dad's family was in North Carolina. My mom's family was in South Texas. I grew up in Central Texas. And so either, either family would hit one holiday or the other. And the holidays would go fairly similar at both houses, right? You'd eat great food, you'd watch little sports, and then kind of the parents, the aunts and the uncles would start to tell stories. And I remember as a kid, the formative effect these family stories had for me in learning kind of my place in life. And I remember my dad, they would always tell a story about my dad convincing his sister to put a mason jar around a hornet's nest to see what would happen, right? And then they would turn and be like, Zach, don't do that. With your sister, right? You learn right from wrong. You probably have those same stories. And I learned about generosity because they would always tell about my great-grandfather, who was a fruit delivery man, and how at Christmas he would pack, you know, bushels of fruit to deliver to each family member that he would just give to them. And it's those family stories that shape the way that we see life. As disciples of Jesus, we come into the new family of Jesus, and we need those same type of stories of people that have gone before us, that have different experiences than we do in the Lord, that help us understand who God is and God's ways, help the Bible come alive to us so we can learn and we can grow. My hope today is that Robert would uh, be kind of one of those family stories for us. He's been a deep uh, and dear mentor uh, in my life for, I was trying to think, uh, 16, 17 years now. Uh, and I just want to honor my friend. I got a little emotional in the first service, so I hope I don't do that again today. But if I do, you guys are with me. Oh, come on. That's great. Uh, so. Robert was, like Joe said, he was my college pastor, and I was a new believer, and I remember learning from you uh, that Jesus was kind, because Robert would stand at the door of the service, and he would greet people by name, and he would smile, and he learned my name, and I just remember how powerful an effect that had on me of seeing, wow, Jesus is different than what I maybe had thought, and he's, he's kind. I went on my first overseas mission trip with you, we shared a room in Lebanon, I remember getting to see your Bible, and it really stuck out to me that it wasn't like a Sunday Bible that's like looks nice and you know just gets used on Sunday. But I saw the highlights and the tattered pages and the underline. You could just tell that you, as you, you're probably 24 at this time or so, have really just gone deep in the Word of God. And that was such an example for me of what it looked like to have an authentic relationship. With Jesus, I learned from you that the gospel was not just for the cool kids or the rejects, but it was for rich, poor, young, old, red, yellow, black, white, or brown. The gospel was for everybody, and I saw you live that out in the way you shared your faith, and that just touched me so deeply. And those were my early experiences with Robert, but the benefit of time and commitment, like we talked about last week, is that you get to see someone grow over time. And even now, 17 years later, I can't tell you how much you've meant to me in, in, in my journey, how much you poured in to me and poured into our church. One of the things that I love about Robert is for me, he's been a friend that has been there on good days and bad days. 
And he is someone that comes with an encouraging word. I don't know. Outside of my parents, my wife, I don't know a person that believes in me more than you. And I just can't tell you how many times when I've been in a dark spot, a low spot, that we all get into. Robert's come with a word of encouragement, a word of faith, a prayer. And really, my hope for all of you all is that in this church that you would have a relationship with someone like a Robert for you. There will be a friend that's there for you on good days. You know, bad days with a word of encouragement, believing in you and praying for you. And my hope is that you would be that type of friend to someone else. I think our church would just be a really amazing community if we had those type of relationships throughout our church. So, Robert, just love you. want to honor you and really glad you're here you, today. Are you um, guys thankful for this guy? Yeah. We pastor in the have such hearts full of character and integrity and live out of deep places in God, one of my dearest friends, and that intro was so much better than the last service where he kept saying how much I was older, he's older, he's my older friend, right? so I love that one so much better, thank you so much, you're older, but you have more hair than I do, hey, man, I don't forget it, oh, but so, can I just, can we show the picture of my family, you well, yeah. so, so respect me so much more, uh, you'll respect me more when you see my family, um, my wife is, uh, these are my five kids right here, and just kidding, that's my wife on the end. And uh, she is elfish. She, she doesn't age, I age, she does not. Kind of like an elf in Gandalf. And um, then my, my daughter, Hallie, is 14. My son, Hudson, is 12. And then my two younger, 10 and 8, Joshua and John Mark. My wife's name is Stephanie. And uh, I am a blessed man. And it is in the far off country of California. Suffering for Jesus in San Diego, California. And Robert is the pastor of the Antioch Church there called All People. So if you're from San Diego or you know people in San Diego, a good place to send people. He's also the head of our board of advisors. And so uh, I asked Robert to come in to share with us a bit around a theme that if you've been with us, we've been journeying and learning about, and it's learning more about the Holy Spirit. We saw in our Saturate series, an authentic disciple of Jesus has a calling, an invitation, a passion, if you will, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we've been learning about that. And I want to turn your attention to Ephesians 5, starting in verse 17. Kind of been meditating and marinating as a community on this scripture for the last six months or so. And it says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, or that leads to bad fruit, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you see that idea we've been talking about, about being filled with the Spirit. And kind of the word pictures that are used are like someone gets filled with wine uh, and it begins to really influence you to be filled, not with wine of this world, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or another image that's used is like wind catching a sail on a sailboat and pushing it forward. And our lives are meant to be kind of the sail from which the Holy Spirit uh, pushes forward, blows the breath of God in and through our lives. And so we want to learn about that. So I'm going to ask Robert some questions this week. And then next week, we'll have Pastor Joe Ewan in from Scotland uh, to kind of do part two in this series. My hope is this will help you where you are to learn and grow in your relationship with God. <clears throat> we have journals in the back if you want to take notes. Uh, but I encourage you just to say, man, what would God speak to me out of this? How would this 
apply to me. So with that as a background, uh, Robert, you live in San Diego now, but your roots are not far from here. Uh, you're Austin and Round Rock. Talk to us about your growing up years and the faith of your family of origin. Were, were you a Christian home? Did you grow up in the church or out of the church? What was your kind of upbringing related to the Holy Spirit in particular? Right, so I was surfing yesterday, but if you cut down deep inside, I'm still a Texan, although I traded my cowboy boots for some fans. <laughs> I, uh, I, love, uh, I love our roots here in Texas. My family is very different than the majority of people we minister to in San Diego because you go across the, our church and there's hardly a second generation believer in the room. I have generations of believers. My parents were Christians, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. If that is the case for you, it is such a blessing and, and such an honor because what I realized is I grew up with a biblical worldview and I grew up with uh, an understanding of morality and an understanding of there is a God and He loves us. My, uh, my grandparents were a wonderful model of being blessed to be a blessing. They were people of means, of wealth, but they gave away more than they kept. And they started the Texas Valley Silver Song, something uh, that really impacted me, that when God blesses you, use it uh, to minister His love to the underprivileged. I, I grew up in a very traditional church, and I'm very thankful that I grew up in church. There were some wonderful things, there were some not so wonderful things. I, I'm thankful that we were always taught the word, that the Bible was central. Uh, but for us, it was the, the Trinity was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And uh, the, the Holy Spirit was, was really missing in that. So um, the, the passion for Jesus that we try to, to really focus on here and experiencing his love and, and walking in his power was really void for me. And because of that, I, I, I loved God, but I walked into a lot of sin because that looked more exciting. Like sitting in a pew, I don't know why people name them pews, um, but that wasn't very appealing. And the beer commercials, they looked so fun, right? People dancing around on the beach, you know? And, and so I, I went into the more party lifestyle. And the, the problem for me, so growing up, the Holy Spirit wasn't really talked about much, except that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. I, I knew that I had the Holy Spirit in me. When I got saved at an early age, um, at seven years old, I understood I had sin. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he rose again to be in the power of sin and death. I knew from John chapter 3 that I was born again. I knew the Holy Spirit was living in me, but all I really understood about the Holy Spirit is that he was like my conscience. Like if you saw uh, Pinocchio, he was my Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder, telling me what not to do. And so I really walked into a party lifestyle and the sexual sin and alcohol. And the problem was I was so convicted doing it that I was really a bad partier. And so I was a bad Christian because I, I was partying and I was a bad partier because I was too convicted. So it was a miserable place to be because I was bad at both worlds. So that, that's kind of where I started. Okay, so with that as the foundation then, Tell us, where did you first start to learn about the Holy Spirit, or where did this become more than kind of some words in a song or, or scripture on a page, but it became a part of your life? So I get to college, and 
I had tried to build my life into what I thought would bring me fulfillment, even as a Christian. So it was about accomplishment, it was about looks, it was about possessions, it was about achievement, it was about popularity. I, I dove into all those things in college, and yet I would walk around my campus and feel so empty, even as a Christian. And I would wonder, do people like me? What do people think? Am I uh, important? Do I have self-worth? I would come back to my dorm room and I would be so anxious and wound up that I would actually go into the restroom and vomit from this nerves. And I remember meeting this girl, Zach, and she was, she, she didn't live in the cool dorm. She didn't drive the cool car, she drove an old rusted minivan. Uh, which I had an old rest minivan last year and it got in a wreck and so I don't have any more. I'm thankful for that. And, uh, but uh, she didn't run with the cool crowd, have the, have the cool clothes, and yet I found myself totally envious of her. She radiated with joy and peace. And I remember getting to know her and finally thinking, I'm just going to ask her why she's so different. So I went to her and I said, girl, why are you so happy all the time? And she said, oh, Robert. Uh, she, she was like overflowing with joy. I, I said, are you anxious? Aren't you insecure? And, and she said, of course I am. That if I don't fellowship with the Holy Spirit moment by moment, I'm a mess. But she goes, he fills me, and I feel his presence, and I hear his voice, and he leads me throughout the day, and it's changed everything, and I looked at her, and I said, I can see that, and I said, I, I want what you have, and then I did something, don't ever do this, because you have plenty of men of God, and women of God in this church, but I said, I need you to disciple me, so I asked this girl to disciple me, and she was like, okay, and so, uh, she was wise, though, we would meet out, like, in a public place, and I remember her saying, let's pray. And I started with my very religious prayers that I had learned in my formal church. So, you know, I, I prayed first, our Father and our God, we beseech us the Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and while I prayed, she was like, yes, and I'm going, what is that noise? Like, that, I was offended. I'm like, why are you making a chipmunk noise while I'm praying? And, and then she prayed, and she'd be like, oh, Jesus, we love you so much. I'm like, good night. Like, that's bread or something. It's uncomfortable. And, uh, but, I learned to call out to the Holy Spirit moment by moment. I'd walk into a room like this, and, and my, my, my natural tendency would be to get insecure, and who do I know, and what do people think about me, but I'd walk in and just start saying, Holy Spirit, you're the one who can meet my acceptance needs. Holy Spirit, come and let me walk with you. And, and I would start feeling this peace. And, and, and started finding rest, and, and it started changing, started changing everything. Wow. So you start to experience transformation in your character as you begin to cultivate this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Walk us through how that translated, not just in personal transformation, 
I know that began to work through you in some pretty remarkable ways. I think we could we could learn from. So how did you kind of what what happened next in the story? Well, in a lot of ways, the Holy Spirit surprised me. I went home that summer, and I was gonna do a, a little internship for my, my traditional Baptist church. So I asked my youth pastor, if he'd mentor me, he hands me a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Some of you guys heard that book, right? Oh, I mean, talk about the most boring title. <laughs> he hands Celebration of Discipline. I was like, wah, wah. Anyway, I, I was reading the chapter on prayer and it, talked about this old Quaker exercise of repenting of your sins, like putting your palms down, repenting of your sins, and then opening up your palms and breathing in, and in the place where your sin was leading, asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. And I thought, okay, that, I want to learn how to pray, so I'm doing this in my parents' formal living room next to their baby grand piano and my sister's parts. I'm sitting there and, and, and praying this prayer, Zach, and I'm, I'm Lord, I repent of my loss that I had, I repent of my pride, I repent of my arrogance, and then I'd open my hands and I'd just pray, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And the most unique thing happens. I start feeling this warmth and electricity start at the top of my head and start flowing over my body. Now, my faith up to that point was a completely intellectual thing. That's what we were taught. Uh, and so I'm, I'm having this experience, and I keep praying, and I keep saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. And as I'm praying, all of a sudden my language changes, and I'm speaking in different words that don't make sense to me. You're the and, I, yeah, I, and all of a sudden I go, oh! I put my hand on my mouth and I am freaked out. And I jump up, I run upstairs, I dive in my bed, and I pull my covers over my head. And I start going, God, I'm so sorry for getting into this weird stuff. Asking you to fill me, I'm so sorry. And so the next day, I like I do not know what to do with myself. I just know like that was weird. I go into my, my Baptist pastor and I go, hey Chris. I was reading that book that you gave me, and I was doing that exercise. You know, you told me we're going to do all the exercises in this book, and I said, so have you ever had this experience where you're praying and asking the Lord to fill you, and you start feeling power flow through you, and like your language starts getting into a different language, and he goes, nope. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, see you later, and I, seriously, and I just walked out of the room. And I, I didn't experience anything like that for the next three years. Wow. I, uh, I went from church to church to church looking for people who were passionate about Jesus. But I kept finding good people, but they talk about God on Sundays, and then they just live just like everyone else, Monday through Saturday. They, they talk about uh, Jesus, but then their true passions were other things. They weren't like passionate about Jesus. And then I ended up hearing from this girl years before she was a part of this group. The group just freaked me out because they like raised their hands and they closed their eyes in worship. And the only time people close their eyes in my church is when they were sleeping. 
And um, the only time people raise their hands if they had a question. And uh, so I was freaked out, but th I started hearing about this group that was going on the Juarez, Mexico. You say Juarez yeah, in Texas. Juarez. And, um, and they were seeing tons of people make decisions for Jesus. And I've been on a mission trip before, but we'd see like one third grader rededicate their life to Jesus after our thought board public show, you know? And, uh, but, and they talked about miracles and healings. And these were normal college students, not like white suit wearing trips, all evangelists. So I thought, I, I have to go on this trip. And so we, we met together before the trip, and what I noticed is these guys prayed. Like they really prayed. They even fasted before the trip. And, and, and I've heard my whole life, you should tell people about Jesus, but they actually trained us. They gave us tracks, we memorized them. So Zach, we get down there the first night on the streets, and I, I am thinking this, you know, Mexico must be like the magical world of Disney for salvations and, and healings, you know? And so I'm thinking, this is it, I, I'm ready to go. And so we do our drama, we, we uh, gather a crowd, and I walk up to the softest part of looking Mexican people out there in this part. And I pull up my track, and I go through it with them, and I, I come to the end, Yes, and it's to be a feast. You know, if you want to receive Jesus in your heart, they looked at me and went, "No, <laughs> no, are you sure?" And they're like, "No." And you know, I'm thinking, "What?" Well, so I go to the next people, I go through the whole thing again, soft looking people. Do you want to get your life to Jesus? No. So, you know, what what happened? Like, I thought this was the place where this stuff happened. So then they say, "Pray for people." So I put my hands on the first this first person that asked for prayer, and I pray, "How are you doing?" No. You know, no, no better, right? And so, you know, then you start getting desperate. Okay, what did they do in the Bible? In the name of Jesus, you know? And, you know, also, that still doesn't work, so you start spitting, you know? It's just spitting on your hand. And Jesus spit, you know, maybe that will help you. Nothing. So three days, I'm, I'm totally discouraged. On the fourth day, I'm just thinking, okay, I'm the healing dummy. You know, I'm like, nothing happens when, when, I, when I pray or when I share. In the mornings, the, the college pastor at the time, Jimmy Seibert, was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And those words weirded me out because of the, my upbringing in church. I thought that's for super emotional people, that's for uneducated people. But he started explaining how 85 to 90% of church growth worldwide is among people who are embracing the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How the same miracles that were happening in the Bible are still happening today on earth all over the world, but it's through people who walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. He said God's doing that through people who are completely surrendered, relinquished to Him. Not saying, God, I want to hold you in an arm's length, don't make me do something weird, but people who are open to whatever He has for us. And how God actually says He gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. That word resist, James chapter 4, means stiff arms. And I just get so convicted. I'm sitting on the back row, like too cool for school. I start getting so convicted because I'm realizing I'm gonna miss all that God has for me. And if you're still doing what you did in the Bible, like those miracles, those healings, those signs and wonders, if you're still moving in power, I don't wanna miss it, God. And so Jimmy gives this altar call at the end. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to let him do whatever he wants and you not pick and choose, come to the fourth. Zach, I run to the front. I get down on my knees. I open up my hands. And then this fiery little Asian woman comes and lays her hand on my back. 
And she starts saying this. She starts saying, he's a self-made man, Lord. He's a self-made man. I'm like, oh, I, this is, I'm thinking, this is like, when I've read about the Old Testament, this is a prophet coming and proclaiming doom. You know, I, I think if the ground is about to open up, I'm going to get swallowed and die. And, and she's she's saying that, so I just start crying. I'm like, oh, no. And, and, and then she says, the Lord is saying, if you'll humble yourself, he'll raise you up as a leader in this generation. When she starts praying that, the power of God starts hitting me. And I start getting electrified, like I'm shaking uncontrollably. And now I'm like, no, I'm not one of those people now. I'm one of those weird people, no. But I didn't really care, because I wanted God so much. I ended up melting on the floor, and I was there for about 45 minutes. When I finally was able to get up off the floor, the whole place was empty. Except one other girl, like she was wiping her nose, we kind of looked at each other, it was super awesome. <laughs> and uh, what do you say, you know, hey. Um, I walk out of there, and that night we're on the street in the marketplace. And, and remember, I prayed for so many people, I'd share with so many people, nothing happened. So I'm standing there guarding the bags, and, and people are raising their hands and need healing, and all the people are getting paired up with different ones from our team. And then there's one guy who raises his hand, and no one's going to him, and he points at me and goes, his back's hunched over. He looks like he's in really bad pain. And I'm like, no, not me. <laughs> the healing's not me. Like, he's going to be so disappointed. And he's like, come here. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going, oh, okay. I reluctantly walk over. I grab this sorority girl that she was clueless. And we walk over uh, together and lay hands on this guy. And just the same. I mean, no, no formulaic prayer. Just lay hands on the stomach and say, Lord Jesus, won't you please come heal this guy? The next thing I know, his stomach is contorting. It's going, and I'm, my hand is like this. The girl next to me is crying. Not like, sweet deep. It's like crying like, ah! she's so scared. His back starts going, pop, pop. Like you're hearing it going, pop, pop, pop. And it, until he finally stands up, tears streaming down his face. He lifts his hands in the air, starts going, glory on Jesus Christ, or just shouting praises to God on the street. We call a translator over. He says, for 20 years I've been suffering. All my pain is gone. My back is completely straight. In that moment, it was like we had stepped into the Bible. Everything changed. We went from there, and I'm so excited. I grab a track. I go up to a person to share Jesus with them. They get saved. First person I ever led the Lord. I go to the next person. They get saved. I go to the next person. They get saved. Four people that night got saved. And what I came to understand is, you know, Acts 1 4, Jesus says, Stay here to receive the gift my Father has promised you. I'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 8, right? It says, And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I understood I always had the Holy Spirit. I was Ephesians 1. I was marked with the seal of my salvation, but now I had the power of the Holy Spirit coming on me to be a witness, and it was enabling me to see the things the disciples saw, the things that, that Jesus walked in, and since then it's been a journey of walking in that and, and helping other people have the same experience. Awesome, amazing story. So what I hear you saying is not only did it impact your personal character, helping you work through your insecurity, 
but also there was a fruitfulness to help other people, to minister to other people, and, and remarkable power came through being filled with the Spirit. So you're, how, how do you at this point? Now? No, in the story. Oh, the age. Um, <laughs> that was 21. 21. So you're in your 20s, right? You might be in here and you're in high school or college, grad school, early 20s. How would you speak kind of to that season of life as people are saying, well, I want to cultivate this type of dynamic relationship with God. I want to grow walk in the Holy Spirit. What would be some practical advice that you would give in terms of how we can take some steps in that? I love that age because your life is completely before you. And what I was challenged with was Psalm 103. It says that the children of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. And I want to be a person who actually knows his ways. And so I started spending a lot of time with him. I started spending the first hour and even a couple of hours every morning. I was very busy, but I realized this is what I want more than any other thing, is to be a friend of God and to know the Holy Spirit. So I would challenge you, believe it or not, you'll never have more time if you're in college or your early 20s and you're single to, to invest in your relationship with God. And he just... He would start speaking to me. He'd, I'd pray about what's going to happen that, that the day, and he'd lead me to, to, to people. I started leading people to the Lord on my college campus. I started praying for the sick, and they started getting healed. Uh, he speaks to me to go to different countries on these adventures with him, and I just started seeing God do the most amazing things on this crazy journey with him. So I'd say dive wholly in as a young person, and it lays the foundation for a life of faith. That's really encouraging. So we have people that are not in their high school years or 20s, but are further on in life. And you have four kids, you have a job, you've been married for how long have you been? 17 years. 17 years, right? So you're in a different season of life, and yet I've gotten to observe you continue to grow and cultivate this. So it's not just, well, that's kind of what I did in college, you know, or that's what I did when I was, you know, 21, but now real life kind of hit me and I don't do that anymore. No, I, I've seen similar type of growth and development in your life, in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, even as the responsibilities and pressures of life have increased. So how would you speak to those of us that aren't kind of in that teens, 20-something experience, but we have families and jobs and mortgages and, and all of that. How do we, how can we cultivate this as well? Yeah, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't want, if they're married, they don't want to be a good spouse. I don't know anyone that has kids that doesn't want to be a good parent. What I find is the greatest gift that I can give to my wife and my kids is a life full of the Holy Spirit. A life led by the Holy Spirit. No one knows marriage better than the Holy Spirit. So every day I start in the Word of God. Yeah, I just read this secular study that um, on how to start a day well, and they said one of the greatest ways to start a day full of anxiety is start by reading the news. And I'm not anti-news, but don't start your day with that. Start your day with the good news. And so this book is written by the Holy Spirit, so I let it wash over my mind and give me a spiritual perspective. And I pray, and what I found is the, the Holy Spirit decodes my marriage. And each each uh, season of life, I'll go on a, a small personal retreat, and the Holy Spirit will speak to me practicals 
um, how to respond in marriage and what to do. You know, teach me how to parent. I remember when I had a little baby, we had our first kid, and I was like, how do I connect with this child? And the, the Holy Spirit just put in my heart more tummy time. That's a familiar phrase for babies, but it wasn't tummy time for the baby. It was tummy time for me. I'm like getting on my stomach and connecting face to face with my child. No one understands parenting better than the Holy Spirit. No one understands business better than the Holy Spirit. So asking him, give me an understanding of my meetings today. I'm going to meet with people. What message of wisdom do I need for each of my one-on-one appointments? A life lived by the counsel of receiving from the Holy Spirit is, is a life of fruitfulness in every aspect and every role that you have. Oh, that's really, really encouraging. Kind of at the end of our time today, uh, with, with looking at this, really appreciate you sharing from your life and coming on holiday weekend and pour into to us. And we want to take time as a community to go to God. We don't just want to kind of take this in and not do anything with it, but we want to respond. So I'm going to invite you to stand here in just a moment. Back to God's stand. The worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us in a song of response. And if you're here and you're like, man, this is just really resonating with me. I know it's an area that I want to grow in. The front will be open for you to come forward and to receive prayer. Some of our life group leaders, staff, prayer team will be available to pray for folks. And I just want to encourage all of us, wherever you are in the journey, to go to God with what's been shared today and to seek Him on what He would want to speak to you, how He would want you to take steps in your relationship with Him. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll respond. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence. Thank you that you're at work in our midst, Lord, and that you want to fill us in such a way that we can know you more that we could experience transformation in our character, that we could love well, Lord, and that we could minister in power to help people. So we just want to create space in the midst of the busyness of life to meet with you and to let you fill us, Lord. In Jesus' name, as the band leads us, we encourage you to respond. Well, I hope that encouraged you. If this message spoke to you, if God's doing something in your life, I'd love for you to send us an email and let us know. You can do that by just hitting reply on any of the emails you get from us. Wait, what's that? You don't get emails from us. Oh man, why don't you go to our website and you can sign up for our community newsletter. Once a week, you'll get updates on what's going on, what God is doing in our midst. And we would love for you to be a part. Uh, If you've enjoyed this series of podcasts, I'd love for you to go on iTunes and leave a review. It helps other people find out uh, about this stuff. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week.